Malegu Santa la Capa Santa Lava Lego Shanda Kabala Gadush Malaga Shanta Labakasada. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless your name, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. We honor you, Lord. There is none like you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Kalabashanta Labahasa. You are that same God. Malagada Vushadalaba. You are Jesus. Hallelujah. Say the word of God. Is God speaking to me? Say it again. Say the word of God. Is God speaking to me? Say, I am who Christ is. I have what Christ has. I can do what Christ can do. I'm seated where Christ is seated. In heavenly place. See, I am a doer of the word. And not a hearer only. Oh, say, tell yourself, say, um, the word of God is for my profiting. It's for my benefit. So I'm not an ordinary person. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I control situations and circumstances. I'm above all. Because I'm born from above. Shout glory. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. I'm talking about the humanity of the Holy Spirit. The humanity of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. Can we catch it quickly? Amen. Oh, if you, are, if you are happy to be in church, excited, shout glory. We are working within time. Is that not true? If we don't take care, we will have to sit down and be waiting for all those who are now going to the water joint to get one. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Now, can we all read together? One, two, go. Mm-hmm. Can we read it again? God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Shall we please take our seats? So I'm talking about the humanity of the Holy Ghost. Now, what, one thing that is very important is that we all know about the deity of the Holy Spirit, is that not true? And the divinity of the Holy Spirit, the fact that the Holy Spirit is God, you know. And we are all used to the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. He's the God's person, he's the God's presence. He comes into our lives with the presence of God and all that. But sometimes the church is such that there are certain things we may not want to say because of the fact that we are trying to give reverence to God out of religion. For instance, when we say things like, God does not share his glory with any man, it's not because, it's not in the scriptures that God is sharing his glory with the church. In fact, the church is the glory of God. Is that not true? 
But sometimes we don't want to say those things because we are trying to accord some kind of reverence to God and such reverence are born out of religion, not truth. You see, when, when, when the reverence is born out of truth, it doesn't matter what the church has been, has been speaking or preaching all, all this while. What is important is that what you preach is consistent with the truth of God's word. Did you understand what I just said? Yes, so, so when you mention things like this, sometimes it may look very new to you because we are all used to the fact that the Holy Ghost is God and all that. But you see, Jesus is Lord. Is that not true? But when Jesus was on earth, as long as he was on the earth, he was God. He was also man. Who agrees with that? He was the son of God. He was the son of man. Jesus is God, tabernacled in the human flesh. That means that Jesus was God that was housed in the human body. So we talk about the humanity of Jesus. Do we talk about the humanity of Jesus? And we talk about the deity of Jesus. The fact that he is God and the fact that he is God in the human form. Or God in the human flesh. So Paul writing says that great is the mystery of godliness. That God came in the form of flesh. Is that true? No spiritual person or divine person or deity can exist on the earth realm without a human flesh. Right now, it's very important. No deity or divine person can exist in the mortal realm, in the earthly realm, without a human form or without a human flesh, without a part of him sharing in humanity. No deity can exist in the mortal realm without a part of him Sharing in humanity is not possible. Because legally, any spiritual person or spirit being who wants to legally access and have what we call permit on the earth realm needs a human body. Amen. So this God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. It says, God is faithful by whom we were called, by whom you were called. It's unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Christianity is a call unto fellowship. Amen. Christianity is a call unto fellowship. And that fellowship is a fellowship of his son. So it says, God has called us unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. So we have been called unto the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Who called us? God. But when he called us, he called us unto the fellowship of his son. So all of us who are born again have been called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now the word he uses for fellowship is the word koinonia. It means that a communion, koinonia, he says, we've been called unto a koinonia of his son Jesus Christ by God. So the word koinonia means a joint participation. 
Now, when you read throughout the New Testament, you will see this word showing itself in most of Paul's epistles. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. The word communion is koinonia. It says that for our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. See, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son. And the fellowship is with one another. First John, John talks about that. The same fellowship is koinonia. It means a joint participation. But you see, there are two dimensions to it, if I should put it that way, or two legs to it. When it talks about our communion with the Holy Ghost, it's still talking about our joint participation. But in this time, it's talking about a kind of relationship, you see, a kind of intimacy with the same word, joint participation. But it's talking about a relationship or an intimacy with the Holy Ghost, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion, the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. Or your intimacy with the Holy Spirit remain, abide, stay with you. Amen. But here, he uses the same word. But here he's talking about our sharing together in Christ. This time he's not talking about a relationship that has to do with intimacy or uh, what do we call it? Communication. But this time he's talking about a sharing together of and with a person. Such that if you are having a communion with me, it means that we are sharing together whatever I am and whatever I have. And whatever I can do. So here he's saying that God has called us onto that kind of joint participation of Christ. Such that whatsoever Christ stands for is what we stand for. That means that God defines us by looking at Christ. I didn't hear an amen to that. So when God looks at Christ, for instance, if you are called to a fellowship with the president of the nation, it means that whatever the president can do is what you can do. What, whatever the president's office is your office. You may, not, you may not necessarily be in the Jubilee House, but wherever you go, the same reverence that is accorded the president is the same reverence that is accorded you by reason of this term, fellowship, joint participation. If you heard that child, glory. glory. So he's saying that we have been called to jointly participate, to be sharers together of Christ. So Christ's name is our name. Hallelujah. I didn't hear glory to that. Glory. Christ's life is our life. Christ's spirit, the Holy Ghost, is our spirit, the Holy Ghost. You hear what I said? Christ's identity as a son of God is my identity as a son of God. So we are sons of God because Christ is the first son of God. Every nature that Christ has is the very nature that we have as Christians. That is what he means when he, calls, he talks about fellowship. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son. Say, I have been called unto the fellowship of Jesus. Say that as you mean it. I have been called unto the fellowship of Jesus. That's why we say the name of Jesus is named on the church. Because that is his name. So whatever name Jesus has is the name we also have. Did you hear what I said? So we are walking in the name of Jesus. We are walking in the authority of Jesus. Jesus has the highest authority in heaven and on earth. 
we also have the highest authority because of Jesus. Why? Because we are sharing in what he has. We are sharing in who he is. So whoever Jesus is, is whoever I am. In the mind of God. And in the mind of scriptures. And this is what, this is what carries the church out of the realm of religion to reality. It was here on Wednesday when I was sharing on truth. Come on, shout glory. Where we cease to search for God because we have him. Religion searches for God. Did you hear what I said? Religion searches for God. Reality searches in God. Because we are in him. So Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not just us going to church, going home, and all that. Christianity is the reality of God, of Christ, in us. It is our participation in God through Christ. Christianity is our participation in God through Christ. Right, now is very important. Christianity is our participation in God through Christ Jesus. It's our fellowship with Christ. Say it, I'm not an ordinary person. Or oh, say that you mean it. Say, I'm not an ordinary person. So we are sharing in God. We are sharing in Christ. We are part of Christ. In fact, in the New Testament, you can't talk about God without the church, which is us. Is that not powerful? You can't talk about God without his church, without us. We are, we are part of God. We have been made like that. It is like this. It's like you, Pastor Obed is here and Pastor Obed gets married. Pastor Obed, if you get married and you have a child, is that child as part of the family as you are part of the family? Yes. So now, there is a time where you don't have a child because you are not married. Then there will be a time where you have children because you are married. When you have those children, they have become part of your family. Whatever you, whatever name you bear is what the child bears. The name the child bears. Is that true? That is the same. So there was a time that God did not have children. He had a creation. He had what? Creation. creation. So Adam was not a child of God. He was the creation of God. He was created of God. But he wasn't born of God. He couldn't have been. So the scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? Because Jesus was the first to be born, the son of God. The first to be born. See, the first to be born. And I've said over and over that in the gospels, he calls him the only begotten son. Because at the time that Paul was, John was writing that, he was writing based on the fact that Jesus was the only person to have been born. But you enter into the epistles and you discover Paul talking about other sons, other sons who are brothers with Jesus. Come on, shout glory. glory. Now, when we are born again, there are two important things that happen when we are born again. Two important things that happen when we are born again. When we are born again, 
there is this kind of union two important unions that take place spiritual union spiritual oneness oneness so first of all when we are born again and this is very important write it down two important unions or oneness when we are born again it's so important is this important who is following what i'm teaching so I'm not an ordinary person. I'm a child of God. I'm born of God. I'm, a, I'm part of God. When we are born again, we are received into Christ. Write it down. When we are born again, we are received into Christ. When we are born again, we are received into Christ. We are received into God. We are born into God. We are born into Christ. So we are received into him. We live in him. Do you hear what I just said? We belong to him. And that is so important. So the scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. If any man be, or if any man is in Christ. Why does it say in Christ? Because when we are born, we are born into Christ. side is as it's like you are born from down to up then after that christ pours himself into us that's when we say we have received the holy spirit so we say we have received the holy soul the first one is us being received in christ the second is us receiving christ they are not the same even though they are one experience a united experience did you hear what I said? So you read the scriptures and it talks about if Christ lives in you, though your body is dead because of sin, since the spirit gives your body life because of righteousness, if Christ lives in you. So when I was talking about God's earthly address, I said that Christ lives in our bodies. Did I say that? Yes. So because Christ lives in our bodies or lives in us. But when we are born again, we first of all live in Christ. If any man is in Christ. Did you hear what I said there? So right now, we are living in Christ. And Christ is living in us. And that is so powerful. It's so powerful because it means that if we say Christ is living in us, then we are the home address of Christ. Is that true? When we say we are living in, in, in God or living in Christ, then he is our home address. Did you hear what I said? So Christ is my heavenly address. Hallelujah. I am Christ's earthly address. 
Look at the difference. Look at the difference. Can you find the difference there? So if Christ lives in me, I am his earthly address. If I live in Christ, he is my heavenly address. <laughs> Shout glory. Looks like this thing is big for you. Is it big for you? This is for children. Is this not for children? Shout glory. So when we are born, we are into. So when you read, if you are a student of the scriptures, if, it's, if you are not grabbing it, it's because you don't read the Bible. Now, if you're a student of the scriptures, you discover that in, one, in, in, some, in some epistles that Paul writes, he writes about we being in Christ. In certain epistles, he writes about Christ being in us. Because they are two experiences that are one. <laughs> so Colossians chapter 3, for instance, talks about the fact that if we then be risen with Christ, then seek those things which are above. Where Christ is seated at the right, Colossians 3, 1, 2, 3, 4. Where Christ is seated at, at the right hand of the Father. It says, for you are dead. He's talking to the church. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, put that scripture there quickly. Are you here or you are somewhere, somewhere? Yeah, yes, sir. Are you in church? Yes, sir. You know, this is my prayer every night. That the body of Christ will come to understand the message that belongs to them. That is my prayer every night. The church is yet to know that this message belongs to the church. So we preach all the things we preach outside the revelation of Christ to his church. I don't know whether you heard what I said there. So it's important that ministers of the gospel understand the message that belongs to the church. It is not every message that belongs to the church. <laughs> if you heard something, they shout glory. glory. It's not every preaching that belongs to the church. <laughs> is that not strange and powerful? For instance, the teachings on covenant does not belong to the church. It belongs to the Old Testament man. Did you hear what I just said? Yes, pastor. The teaching on covenants. However, the covenant looks like. Belongs to the Old Testament one. He needed a covenant. I don't need a covenant with my father. I'm born of him. So in the home, you never tell your father that I have, I have a covenant with you, sir. Is that what you say? No, no, I'm asking, is that what you tell your, your parents at home? No, that we have a covenant. <laughs> You'll be wondering what you're talking about. What kind of covenant is that one? Is it a ring one or a blood one? <laughs> Shout glory. So it's not every message that belongs to the church of Jesus Christ. And this is the truth. So you see Paul saying, preaching every time and, and saying that we are praying and preaching that all men may come to light may come to see, that all men may see. So powerful. All men may see. All ministers may see. All Christians may see. Else we will be walking, we will be living like ordinary men who are trying to get the attention of God. Is that what we see in church today? Yes. The body of Christ. All Christians are like ordinary men. They portray themselves as ordinary men trying to get God's attention. 
And God is so busy that he doesn't, the people are too plenty. So, it, it, it's, no, that's not Christianity. You hear what I said? It's important every, Christ, every one of us understand our oneness with Christ. Our oneness with God. How united we are with God. How united we are with Christ. The fact that when they are looking for you, you are found in Christ. When they are looking for Christ, they can find Christ in you. So on the earth realm, when angels are looking for Christ, because Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, is that true? Yeah. So when on the angels say, where is Christ? Where is Christ? They can only find Christ in you. Hallelujah. When they are saying, where is Pastor Obed? Where is Pastor Obed? They can only find Pastor Obed in Christ. That is the understanding that the apostles gave the church. That's the understanding. So you read the scriptures. It says, for you are dead. Colossians 3, 3. For you are dead. It says, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Where is your life? So your life is hid with Christ. Or it is hidden with Christ. Where can we find your life? With Christ. Where? In God. Did you see it there? Yes, I said, did you see it there? Yes, so when we are born again, our life is hid in Christ. In God. When it says your life, it's talking about your human spirit. When we are looking for your human spirit, your human spirit is not apart from God. That's the mentality he's given us. When we are looking for you, are you not found in this, in this building? Are you apart from the building? No. no. Or are you, are you not? Don't we find you on the chair? Are you apart from the chair? No, so we say, where is uh, Brother Walash? He's in the church auditorium. Is that not true? He's where? In the, in the church auditorium. Now, where is Brother Walash? Spiritually speaking, scripturally speaking, he is in God. He is in Christ, in God. Your spirit is accepted into Christ. And Christ is in God. So your spirit is accepted into God. So I heard a preacher say something, something that if the devil wants to kill me, he has to kill God first. Why? Because you are in God. You are in Christ. He says your life, then the enemy took my life. He took it from where? He says your life is in God. You see the, <laughs> you see the kind of things that we think? The enemy took my, my life. The enemy told, he took his life. All kinds of things that we say. Is that not strange? Because majority, of that, that's why, I don't know, but I think we should be praying for the body of Christ. Majority of Christians have majored on the minor. Again said that. And have minored on the major. That means that what we should take very importantly, we've, we've disregarded it. And what we should take as nothing, we've made it high. It's like uh, I heard a, 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 a musician says that say that the one who now say the one who now say give praise to God the one who now say that the one who is dead is the one who the one who is what who is spoiled even a, a living whatever whatever is like a dead all kinds of things that you hear you see you read it in Ecclesiastes are these not strange things. Why? Because we live 
without understanding God's eternal purpose on the earth realm. This church. We'll cut what I just said just briefly. So when you are born again, you are received into God. It means that we all belong to God. He owns us. Did you hear that? Then we also receive God or Christ into us. So say, I live in Christ. Christ lives in me. Now, when we receive Christ into us, it means that Christ belongs to us. We own him. So in reality, we don't say that, we don't only say God is using us. We use God and he uses us. It's the same. We use him, he uses us. That's how God looks at us. That's how God looks at things. We belong to God and he belongs to us. Now, that has always been God's plan. To make himself one with man. Not to separate man from himself. So when he created Adam in the garden, if you will see, the Bible says that from time to time, God will come and visit him. He was not just interested in visiting him. He was interested in having him to himself. And us having... Oh, shout glory to that one too. Oh, hear what I said. So we are not... It's not just about God, use me. No. God is also saying that, you too, prince, use me. So the usage is twofold. <laughs> Are these things not strange things? So powerful. So powerful. And that is what, that's what we read about the fellowship of his son. God is faithful. God is faithful. By God, we have been called unto a joint participation with his son, Jesus Christ. Why? The son is the image of the father. Or the son is the express image of the father. If you see the son, you've seen the father. Did you hear what I said? So if you partake in the son, you are partaking in the father. If you are having a fellowship with the son, you are having a fellowship with the father. God designed it that way. I'm not hearing amen to you. If I don't hear amen, I'll give you the microphone to continue preaching. Is that not strange and powerful? Look at what I just said. So it's very important that we understand some of these things. How united we are with God. You don't, you don't, you don't die at once and like that. No. Paul said that we should take, he was right, he says, we should take advantage of the grace that is in, given to us in Christ Jesus. Because you, may, you can take advantage of the grace or you can just not to take advantage of the grace. Because you don't even know. Like Wednesday I was asking that question about truth. So if I have not said this thing, do you know? They say no. Everybody is looking at your face. And the kingdom is a kingdom of light. It's a kingdom of revelation. It's a kingdom of truth. Things don't just happen. God doesn't just do things. <laughs> and the Christian doesn't just do things. You see, God is not selfish. Do you hear what I said? Religion is selfish. Religious men are selfish. So they don't want us to say that what God says belongs to us actually belongs to us. And what God says we can do, in reality we can do. That it is true. They say, no, 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 no. That is God's glory. Don't take it. That is God's glory. 
You didn't hear what I said? It is like when we, we are teaching the body of Christ and you see ministers saying that we, like what David said, he says, early will I seek thee. My soul tests for you. And they say, you should be thirsty for God. We are praying that God, let make, make us more thirsty, make us more hungry for you. you see, religiously. But you should, if you, if you study the scriptures and you hear such a thing, you become, you see, when you study the scriptures, you study too much of the scriptures, you become sensitive. You become scripturally sensitive. It's like when I heard, the day you guys were leading the prayers here, when was that, all night, and I heard, I heard, uh, what song was that? I give myself away so you can use me. <laughs> I give myself away. If you are now coming to give yourself, then you are in the wrong place. You are not born again. Did you hear what I said? I give myself away. I surrender all to you withholding nothing. By the time I'm finished, I'm, I'm through with you. You throw that song away. And you see, that is the, that is the, that's religious propagation. That's, that's, the, that's the religiosity of the gospel. Did you hear what I said? When the praises go up, his glory come down. When the praises go up, his glory come down. Where is the glory? Now, where is the glory? Do you know the glory of God? No, do you know the glory of God? I said, do you know the glory of God? <laughs> if you invite me as a guest speaker, your church people will run away. What do you guys think? <laughs> Shout glory. So when the praises go up, his glory will come down. You see. Those are all wrong things in the church. It's all wrong things in the church. You read through and you see that. And I'll show you a scripture, scriptures right now. I'm just, I'm just trying to work some appetite so that you follow me. Shout glory there. Glory. Because you are, you are not now surrendering yourself. Lord, I, I surrender. That is not part of your prayer, like, prayer topic. Lord, I surrender myself. Lord, I surrender myself to you. Lord, I surrender. Where were you then? Before you started the prayers, where were you? Unsurrendered. <laughs> I give myself away so that you can use me. Abali Atoli Kalatash. We have to pray for the body of Christ. Who will join me to pray every night? The body of Christ. It's so important. If you are hearing something, shout glory. glory. You see, in the New Testament, we are not thirsty for God. We are not hungry for God. The Old Testament, and you should, that's why I say you should read the entire Bible with some kind of understanding. I've said it over and I won't say it again. One day I'll ask us a quiz. It's a question. Amen. Amen. In, the, in the New Testament, the Christian is not hungry for God. We are not praying that God, I'm hungry for you. Lord, let us be more hungry. No, it's so simple. Walk in the spirit. That's why it says fellowship with the Holy Ghost. That's all. Walk in the spirit. You can't be hungry. Do you know why? The Old Testament man was hungry because he needed manna. 
And the more he ate manna, the more he was hungry for more manna. Because every day, manna has to come. But what did Jesus say? He said, I am the bread from heaven. This is, this is the Old Testament. This is, this is Jesus, Jesus speaking in the Old Testament. Who understood what I just said right now? This is Jesus speaking in... <laughs> This is Jesus speaking in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. In the Gospels. Is it the Gospels? Yes, is it the Old Testament? Yes, he said, I am the bread. That's Jesus speaking. He says, I'm the bread from heaven. He says, Anyone that eats me shall never be hungry at all. She shall never be hungry again. I am the bread. He says, Your fathers did eat manna. And they were still hungry. But anyone that eats me will never be hungry. So what the people were expecting to eat was Jesus himself. But he was not available then. But now we have eaten of that Jesus. It's the same thing when Paul said that we have fellowship of his son Jesus. We have eaten of the bread from heaven. And that bread is Jesus. And because of that, we are no more hungry like the Old Testament man. If you are dead, you caught what I just said, child, glory to that. We are not thirsty. No, no, in Jesus, that's what I say, when you don't read the scripture, I might give you certain things now. Jesus himself said it in the Old Testament, that anybody who eats me will never be hungry. Have we eaten him? He said it in the Old Testament again. When the woman, he met the woman by the well, and they were talking with regards to water, and he says that, the woman said, Jesus said that anybody who drinks of the water that I give him shall never be thirsty again. Is that what Jesus said? Yes, sir. Have you read the Samaritan woman, the conversation yes, that he had with Jesus? Yeah. And Jesus himself said it. I didn't say, did I say it? Maybe a man of God has not seen it. That's why he says he's still hungry, he's still thirsty. Is that true? Because you see, we represent the church. What we give the church is what they feed on. When we give them on covenant, covenant, all their mind will be covenant. When we feed them on, give them on, be hungry, hungry. Every day they say, we are hungry for you, God, we are hungry. I am not hungry for him. Why? Because I am with him and we are having a fellowship. So Paul said, walk in the spirit. I am not thirsty for him. Why? Because I've drank of the living waters. The woman said that then give us this water so that I don't come to the well again. Is that not true? But Jesus said, he that believed on me, says out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Did he say that? So it means that we have drank this water, which is Jesus. And because of that, we are no longer thirsty for him. You see, you can't be hungry for what you already have. Is that true? You can't be thirsty for what you already have and you have a joint participation with you are only hungry for what you don't have or what is not available. Or you show hunger like that. With regards to spiritual gift, it says covet. It didn't say that be hungry for God. It says covet. But in the New Testament, it tells us to have a fellowship with Jesus. We've been called with Jesus, to, the, to Jesus, unto him. And we have a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. As long as you are drinking of the Spirit, Drinking of the spirit, and we're going to that scripture. So powerful. Is that not powerful? You can't be thirsty. So, what we should promote instead of saying test and hunger 
is to promote the message of communion with the Holy Ghost. That is why Paul said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, then he says, and the fellowship, the communion with the Holy Ghost, he says, remain. So sometimes we just say, the communion of the Holy Ghost, be with us. The word be means to remain, to abide, to stay, to be with. So the communion must be something that is permanent in our lives. Our communion with the Spirit. Because our communion with the Spirit is our communion with God. The Spirit teaches and searches the deep things of God. And reveals the deep things of God in us and to us. So the more of our communion, the more we know the deep things of God. We can't be hungry of a person that we are always having a fellowship with. Did you hear what I just said? If Christians are communion conscious, it will help. And are walking in the spirit. You speak in tongues, the Holy Ghost, this thing, Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is talking to you, you are talking to the Holy Ghost. You start in a way. After 10 years of being a Christian, you have come to that point where as Pastor Chris will put it, if your father shouts, even in the market square, you'll be able to pick his voice. Two of walls. You've come of age. At the point in time when you are young, when your father even shouts, you may not hear him. You may say, ah, who is that? Eh, is that my father? It looks like him. But as you are now in the physical, if your father shouts anywhere in the market square, and you are even passing, you say, ah, this, looks like, this sounds like my father. You have come of age. We come of age in, in communion. I've said that your Christianity becomes enlivened through communion. Else you become like a churchgoer. Many Christians are churchgoers. No matter the number of people in the church, churchgoers, dancing, dancing, dancing around the throne of glory. We shall sing Hosanna, dancing around the throne of glory. Is that not powerful? See, I'm not just a dancer. I'm not just a dancer. I know, I know who I am. Oh, say it, say it. Tell us, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Take us to John quickly because of my time. John, I have a lot of things to share. What do you guys think? John chapter 14, verse 10. Have you heard something right now? So it's important. When I see people in this ministry singing the same songs and acting the same way, it means that you are not learning. Well, what do you think? I can know whether you are learning by just your song, your song even pick up, say, no, we're on Sunday. Comes to church, all right. Wednesday, you are there. Sunday, you are there. Monday, you are there. LOF, you are there. All the things, you are there. If you don't come, we'll call you. But you must make that conscious effort to learn the word of God, to study the word of God, to read the word of God, to listen to the messages that we give. So I'm a champion in Christ Jesus. Then look at Jesus speaking here. He says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. Believest thou, can you give us the NIV so that it will be very simple for us? Amen. For those of us who don't want all the thou, thou's, and all that, you can just shift quickly. What do you guys think? 
If you are blessed, shout glory. glory. You just heard something right now, shout glory. glory. So, believest thou not that I am in the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? That's Jesus speaking. Is that Jesus speaking? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Do you see there? Now, Jesus says, did he say what I just said here? He says, don't you believe that I am in the Father? That was Jesus. He says, I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. That's why I say, when you are born again, you are in the Father. Then the Father also, so the Father receives you and you also receive the Father through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the most important person or partner you can have. I say it every time. Without the Holy Spirit, there are two important things. Without faith and the Holy Ghost, your Christianity will not, Christianity will not be fun. Christianity is fun. I said Christianity is what? Fun. So, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me. So right now, the Father is living in us. We are, first of all, living in the Father. And the Father is living in us. How? Through the Holy Spirit. So through the Holy Spirit, we live in the Father. Through the same Holy Spirit, the Father lives in us. Say, I live in the Father. They say, I'm living in the Father. They say, where can we find you? In the Father. In God. In Christ. Is that not powerful? Where can we find God? In me. Where can you find me? In the Father. So when, when all the principalities of darkness are looking for you, they look at you. They are not looking for you. Maybe they are watching you. They can't look for you. You are too big for them to look for you. Is that not true? I have to co correct my construction. Is that true? <laughs> the demons cannot be looking for you. Why, why, why would they be looking for you? What do you have that is attractive to them? Oh, no, no, no. They can't be looking for you. <laughs> you are the one looking for them. I said what? I'm looking for all those demons. Where are they? You see, Christians are living a defensive kind of life. Most Christians, most Christians are the, are the mention of Devils and demons begin to quake and shake. Oh, and shudder, and shudder. Oh, if you know the things of God, and you know the word of God, you will live a very simple life. People will not be able to explain you. I've said it before that if people explain you, your source of income, and everything you do, if they are able to explain you, then your life has not come up to the supernatural. It has not been a life of the spirit. It says, walk with the spirit. Did he say that? Yes, walk with the spirit. Or walk in the spirit. If you are walking in the spirit, we can't explain you. You can't explain a spiritual person. Never. You can only explain a carnal person yes, and a physical person. Yes, but you can't explain a spiritual person. Did I say something there? Yes, so be spiritually minded. 
Be spiritually minded. It says to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, say it's life and peace. Peace there means shalom, rest. Prosperity, peace. No matter the storms, you can be very peaceful. The storms come because there's a greater one living in you. Is that not true? Come on, shout glory to what I just said. So, this is so important. Now, after Jesus said this, living in the Father, and the Father living in him, that was Jesus' consciousness. Now, let, let, go to verse 11. He said, the words that I say to you are not my words. That was Jesus speaking. The words that I do, they are not done by me, but by the Father who lives in me. What kind of consciousness? What kind of spiritual understanding? Oh, the angel speaking says, I shall tell the children of disobedience to the wisdom of the just. There is the wisdom of the just. There is the wisdom of the just. There is the wisdom of the world. The Bible says the wisdom of the world, that comes to nothing. But there is a particular wisdom of the just. That is only reserved for the ones who are made right in Christ Jesus. The wisdom. A kind of thinking, a kind of understanding. When they speak. Sometimes when I speak, I see that people living in the church don't understand. I say, what is this man talking about? Since God, we are, God, God's earthly address. God doesn't have a home. Apart from us, what is he talking about? People don't understand. Sometimes some of you even here don't even understand. Means we must be praying that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Come on, shout glory. glory. Oh, these prayers. We are going to say it till December. That the spirit of wisdom and revelation will be at work in the body of Christ. And be at work in the church of Jesus Christ. Is that not important? It's very important. Else we'll be distorting truths and be confusing angels and men. <laughs> is that powerful then he says believe me when I say that I am in the father and the father is in me at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves that's Jesus speaking he says believe go to verse 12 go to verse 12 I tell you the truth anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than this because I am going to the Father. Is that not powerful? I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Will do what? Is that an English construction grammar? Now see there. The works, it says that anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do what? Who will do it? Who will do it? Who will do it? Go to King James again. Let's read that, that scripture. I'm not trying to let you see the works aspect. I want you to see the communication. Very rarely I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do. This is Jesus. This is who? 
Jesus speaking, the works that I, I want, I'm not, I'm not emphasizing on the works or the greater works. I'm emphasizing on who, who is doing it now. He says, the works that I do, shall he do also. Shall who do? The one that believes in Jesus. Why, that, why is that possible? Why is it, is it, it, why is it possible for the one who believes in Jesus to do what Jesus is doing? Or what Jesus did? Or what Jesus does? What, what, what? This is not strange. It means that when Jesus looks at you, he looks at you as a person of possibility. He's not looking at you as somebody who is unable and needs to depend on him. The religious church for all these years, Pentecostal, Charismatic, we have trained ourselves to just depend on God for him to do. But Jesus said this before he left. He said, the works that I, I am doing, if I say the preaching that I'm preaching, shall anybody who believes in me also preach? And I'm no longer there. What are, what are my expectations? That once I put the microphone down, any one of you can preach it. True or false? The ability to cause you to preach is, has been given to you. Jesus knew that that ability would be given to the church. Why? Because the same way, because he says, because I go to the Father. So he knows that as he's staying with the Father, when we are born again, and he was speaking with a time to come. When we are born again, we will actually be born into the Father like he was when he was walking on the earth realm. So the same way he said that the Father living in him, and he living in the Father, the same way we'll be able to boldly say that we also live in the Father, and the Father lives in us, and because of that, we produce the works that Jesus had when he was on the earth realm. I don't know whether you heard what I said there. If you heard a child, glory to that one. Shout hallelujah. Is it not strange? Now, this is John chapter 14, right? Go to John chapter 17, verse 19. Are we, are we hearing something? Yes, sir. Are we getting blessed? Yes, sir. So if your life is just church, church, I'm going to church, I'm going to church. You can go to church till the point where your whole the area, all your area people know that you go to church, yet you know nothing. So don't just be interested in the fact that they say, oh, you're so from America, sorry. It is true. But you must have light and knowledge. I didn't hear glory to that. Glory. Who understands what I'm just saying? And follow these troops. Follow these troops. We have abandoned what Jesus said we should, we should know. And we are knowing what we don't have to know. <laughs> Is that not true? It says, for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Uh -huh, verse 20. Neither pray I for this alone, but for them also, which shall believe. He's talking about us. Believe on me through their word. Uh -huh, verse 21. Are you following something here? Is that not powerful? It says that they all may be one. So Jesus, take us to NIV. Are you in church this morning? Now let's read the NIV together. Give us the NIV. Is that not powerful? One, two, action. Is it there? Is it there? Take us to verse 19. I want you to see it there. Shout glory. glory. Say, I'm improving. I'm improving. Say, I'm increasing in glory. I'm increasing in Say, I'm increasing in grace. I'm increasing in grace. 
Because I'm receiving the word of God. Okay, start from verse 18. Start from verse 18. For them I sanctify. Okay, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Uh huh. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Is that not powerful? My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That is as praying before he died. Mm -hmm. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Do you see there? Did he pray that prayer? Oh, are you in church? Did he pray that prayer? That just as, that's what I said, this is not selfish. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may know. Verse 22. Then he said, I have given them the glory that you, you see, so when anybody says God is not sharing his glory, this is Jesus speaking. This is not Pastor Is this Pastor Prince who wrote this scripture? <laughs> yes, I have given them the glory. Can we all read this together? One to go. Hmm? Is this Jesus? I have given them the glory that you gave me. He's given to which people? To us. That they may be one as we are one. Oh, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So when the next time the preacher says that God doesn't share his glory with any man, and you say, this is a powerful preacher. Who name, who are, who name Bible? You together with the preacher are now learning. Because this is what Jesus said. You see things like this in the scripture, and you are just sitting and you are just hearing certain things too, and you're like, hey. Is that not powerful and strange? So now, this is very important. Is this important? So Jesus said these prayers. Why? He was talking about our oneness. How the church should be one. Just as Christ Jesus is one with the Father, and the Father is one with Christ Jesus, such that Christ lived in the Father, and the Father lived in Christ. And he says, in that same manner, I pray for them. So Jesus' prayer has been answered through the coming of the Holy Spirit. Has the Holy Ghost come? So this prayer has been answered. It has been answered now. On the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came, descended on that day, this prayer or prayers was answered. If you are there, shout glory to that. So now we live in the Father, and the Father lives in us through the Holy Spirit. Can I share certain things with you now? Yes, Can I share certain things with you? Yes, Who caught what I just said right now? If you caught it, lift up your hand and let me see. You caught it. Give me a wave and let me see. If you didn't catch it, we must go and read John again, John 17. Jesus prayed that the same oneness he had with the Father, we will have it. 
So you see, we have what we call an inseparable union with the Father. An inseparable, it means that we are so united, we are so glued, the, <laughs> we are so one with the Father that we can't be separated. We can't. Paul said, what shall separate me from the love of Christ? Nothing. Because we are so, we've been made so one with him. We are so one with Christ. Christ is so one with us. We are so united. It can be changed. That relationship can be changed. I thought I'll hear glory to that. Glory. Imagine you enter your school with that understanding. I'm so one with Christ. You are in the lecture room with that understanding. I'm so one with Christ. You are in your shop with that understanding. I'm so one with Christ. The work that Christ do, shall I do also? See, there's a way you begin to even behave and act. Say, I'm fearless. I'm fearless. I'm bold. I'm living in Christ. Say, I'm living in Christ. The storms of life can't touch me. They have to touch Christ first. Because I'm living in him. I am found in him. Knock somebody. Say, when you're looking for me, when you're looking for me next time, look, look for me in God. Look for me in Christ. Lego Is that not powerful? Is that powerful? Say, I am one with Christ. I am one with Christ. You see, but our oneness with Christ is not just spiritual. Our oneness with Christ is both spiritually and bodily. Write it down. I don't want to say spiritually. It will make the meaning I want to give. Our oneness with Christ is spiritually. That is spirit to spirit. <laughs> the guy is now waiting for the name of Jesus to be breathed, to be breathed upon him. Remember, what do you think? Let's breathe the name upon me. Breathe. We are already in the name. Already in the name. In fact, we, we, we live in the name of Jesus. We live. When you speak in tongues and you are coming, you are living. This is Jesus coming. And I'm looking to breathe for them to breathe. What do we do with the bread? Huh? The bread is not enough. It means that every time there is an accident coming, you need a bread. Anytime there is a sickness coming, you need a bread. Anytime there is a temptation coming, you need a bread. Is that not true? We don't need the bread. We are living in the name of Jesus. Oh, see, whatever you do in, in West and in this, do it in the name of Jesus. See, I'm living in the name of Jesus. I'm living in the person of Jesus. This is, this is a spirit to spirit oneness. It means your spirit in unison with the spirit of God. Spirit to spirit. Then there's also the bodily oneness. Oneness in body. That's what I really want to talk about. Did you hear what I said? Yes, so this is a spirit to spirit oneness. And there's a body to body oneness. So as you are sitting right now, you are one with God spiritually. There's a word like that. <laughs> Say spiritually. spiritually. It means that your spirit and the spirit of God are one. 
They are not two. They are one. When the two spirits come together, they become one. They become so one that we can't separate one from the other. In the same way, bodily, your body has become one with the body of God. Can I share that small? Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, there is this mystery of marriage. Let me use that one. Is that not powerful? It's powerful Genesis chapter 2. Take us to Genesis chapter 2. So, you see that the scripture says, For this cause shall a man... See, God designed these things that I'm sharing with you even before Genesis. So, in Genesis, when he was creating male and female, or man and woman, he knew what he was doing. And what he did that is the example or was like a typology of Christ and the church. Think about it. So you see Paul talking in Ephesians chapter 5 about married people and their oneness in body. Then you see Genesis chapter 2 where God announced that oneness the first time. He introduced that oneness. He says, therefore, shall, no, take us to verse 22. Let's, let's look at that one first. Let me see whether 22 is okay for me. Okay, 21. Oh, are you not glad to be in church today? Yes, Imagine you going into, going to sit in a trotro with this understanding. Just a trotro with this understanding. Or a bus with this understanding. Or traveling with this understanding. I'm so one with God. Whatever God can do, I can do. Whatever can, cannot happen to God, cannot happen to me. I don't allow these things to happen. He said, whatsoever you permit on this earth shall be permitted in heaven. Who has read that scripture before? When we were Sunday school, we said, whatsoever we bind on this earth shall be bound in heaven. Is that not what we say? He didn't say, whatsoever you bound in, whatever is bound in heaven shall be bound on earth. That's not what he said. It means we don't need heaven's approval. We, heaven needs our approval. In binding. Is that, did I write a scripture? <laughs> Did I write this scripture? Now think about it. Think about it. Wait. Let me bring it. It looks like some of the way you are looking at my face. It says, whatsoever you bind on this earth shall be bound in heaven. Is that grammar? Is that grammar? This is not revelation. I said, is that grammar? Is that revelation? So whatsoever you bind on this earth shall be bound in heaven. A newer translation says, whatsoever you permit on this earth who does the permission? Shall be permitted in heaven. So what is, who is heaven looking at? To permit or not to permit? Heaven is looking at me to permit. So if I say oh, it is permitted, heaven says, okay. Sister Phyllis says it's permitted. So it's permitted. When it says it is not permitted, heaven says, hey. Pastor Obe says it's not permitted. It's not permitted. Oh, what rights? Oh, <laughs> uh, I said, what, what, what rights? What a privilege! Are these things true, or they are stories? They are, they are tales. Francisca, are you here? Oh, Christians, are we not going somewhere? We are going somewhere to happen. Say, I'm going somewhere to happen. Say, I've happened already. I've happened. I've happened. I've happened. But it says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs, one, one of his ribs, say one of his ribs. 
One of these days, you'll be taking one of somebody's ribs to do something like this. What do you guys think? And he, <laughs> and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. What a spiritual surgical operation. Then see what happened. Verse 22. And the, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Uh-huh. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Is that not powerful? Why didn't God create a woman like he created man? Because God was establishing a hierarchy in the home. If you had created a man and created a woman the same way, then with regards to headship in the home, they will be in competition. So one had to be first created, and the other, the other had to be brought out of the rib of the one who is standing to represent headship, leadership in the home. You see, God is very principled. Because he knew that a time was going to come that there will be the need for that same headship with regards to his own things that he does. So, in Ephesians, he talks about Christ and the church. Knowing that this is like a typology of the union. Can we go? No, we don't, we don't, we'll go there. We'll go there, but we don't have time. Is that not true? We'll go there. But he says that this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Uh -huh. Is there something else there? Continue. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and shall do what? And shall do what? And they shall be one flesh. Do you see there? That's the, that's the mystery. When we talk about marriage, marriage is a union of a male and a female. Why male and female? Because of headship. So that we know who is the leader in the home or is the head of the home. And who is also the weaker vessel in the home. It's intentional. A man and a woman. A male and female. And he shall cleave unto his wife. But he says that, so what was I saying? Marriage is a union of two persons who become one flesh. That's the, that's the, that's the mentality of God when he says marriage. Those two become one flesh. One flesh. That means that when two people get married, after the blessing they are walking, in the mind of God, they have become one flesh. They are not two persons in the sight of God. They are one. <laughs> you are not hearing that. Are you hearing that? They are so one. Bodily, they are one. So it says that, he shall live and be cleaved unto his wife. He shall be joined unto the wife. And they too shall be one. So in Ephesians, where Paul now talks about, the, and this is so powerful because you see Paul in writing about marriage. Why am I using marriage? Because marriage talks about one flesh. Then we enter into what we want to enter into. Then we close. Come on, shout glory. Maybe you are listening to what I'm saying. 
one flesh. Say one flesh. one flesh. So if I'm one flesh with my wife, when I insult her, I've insulted myself in the mind of God. When I fast and I've become ten, she has become ten too. I didn't, I didn't hear glory to that. When I hit her, I've hit myself. When she takes injections, I've taken injection. Did you hear what I said? Can I prove to you from Ephesians chapter 5? Where, where, where Paul talks now about marriage, but I don't want to go into marriage, marriage. I want you to see marital union as a union of two persons who become one bodily. So all these things that people are getting married and they are like, this property is, is mine. You, you to sign. This one is yours. And all of that. It's not marriage, oh. It's a contract. Hey. See, people think marriage is a contract. Some people think marriage is a covenant. No. Marriage is a union of bodies. One, two bodies becoming one. It's a, it's a union of flesh. One flesh. It's, it has nothing to do with covenant. Who called what I said? I'm not talking about marriage. I'm trying to use that to explain to you the oneness. Even with, in the mind of God, when it comes to marriage, to that point where Paul explains that when a person is born again, Dr. John is born again, and Dr. John's wife is not born again, or Dr. John's wife is born again, and Dr. John is not born again, what does he say? He says that the one who is married sanctifies the other partner who is not, the one who is born again, sanctifies the other partner who is not born again. It meaning that the other partner might not have professed the lordship of Jesus, but in the mind of God, he has sanctified as the one who is born again. So when two people get married and one is a Muslim and one is a Christian, he says the Christian sanctifies the Muslim. Think about it. Why does he say that? He says that because once the two of them come together as, as marit marital couple, in the mind of God, they are one. So the sanctification of the man affects the other one. Or the sanctification of one affects the other. To the point where it affects the child. Oh, I didn't hear glory to that. But you see, it doesn't mean that go about marrying unbeliever. You didn't hear what I said? Some of you are dating boyfriends who are unbelievers. And girlfriends who don't go to... Uh, uh, when it's time to go to church, you're going to go and hide there. When Pastor Obed is calling, you won't pick because you are in your, your boyfriend who is not born again. Is that not true? One day I'll talk about that, but not today. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. If you, have, you are hearing something, shout glory. glory. Do I have some time or I should close now? <laughs> Come on, shout glory. Ephesians chapter 5. Are we there? This is so powerful. Is this not powerful? Ephesians chapter 5. I think from verse 29. Check it and let me see. Shout powerful man of God. So you see, do you understand that? So they two have become one flesh. One flesh. One flesh. There is no such thing as this thing belongs to me. You see, this is the understanding that all these young, young people who are dancing in marriage, dancing on YouTube and Instagram and all that have not yet understood. 
they see this thing as a contract. I am on my own. You're also on your own. We are all married, but I'm on my own, my own, my own. My own. This microphone belongs to me. You two, you have go and buy your own microphone. We are not the same. After dancing, dancing to what for the for your kids? <laughs> which one is new now? Huh? Uh huh. <laughs> dancing to that. Go to twenty-eight. Is that not powerful? Say so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Do you see it there? Do you see it there? He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Do you see the mystery there? He that loveth his wife, he says, loveth himself. So he's not saying that he that so it, it's, it's like if you hate your wife, you hate yourself. That is, that, this is scriptural understanding. This is not a court understanding. This is scriptural understanding. Oh, shout glory to that. Glory. He that loved his wife, loved himself. Verse 29, because of my time. For no man ever yet hates his own flesh. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. But nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church, giving the NIV for that, 29. This is so powerful. For no man yet hated his own flesh. So he's saying that we are so one that if I hate my wife, I hate myself. And vice versa. Is this so powerful? After all, no one ever hated his own body. But he feeds and cares for it. Just as Christ does the church. Go to verse 30 quickly. For we are members of his body. We are members of his body. Continue. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united unto his wife. And they too will become one flesh. So in the mind of God, a husband and wife is one flesh, one body. When we close to go and tell your husband, you will say, we are one. We are one body. We are one. Bodily, we are one. Bodily, we are what? We are one. So my husband's bedding is my bedding. My husband's money is my money. My wife's money is my money. Did you hear what I said? But today we don't have these things even in the body of Christ. Why? Because we have not trained Christians. So people enter church, stay for 10 years, and they are the most selfish individuals, yet they are in church. They play drums. But they are selfish even than the unbeliever. But that is less on marriage. One day we'll talk about that. Come on, shout glory. But it's talking about one flesh. Now, there is the humanity of the Holy Ghost. You see, that is why James talks about ye adulteress and adulteresses. And adulteresses with regards to friendship with the world. He calls a Christian who makes the world his friend 
Like the Buga, you sing Buga every day. You are making the world your friend. He looks at her and says, this is an adulteress. Yes, sir. You did what I said? Yes, sir. We are having an Easter service. You are on the way to Kwau for Kwau purposes. Friendship with the world. Why? We'll get to that. When he talks about the fact that we be, I've said it before, I've said it earlier, that we belong to God. We are one with him. So when he sees that kind of friendship with the world and worldly things, he calls such a person an adulterer. Like a person who is married and has a legitimate union with a wife and goes to bed with another person. He, see, he relates that with the church, a Christian who is born again, but will choose Kwau over church. We'll choose to stay at home over church. Oh, today is not a special program. When the special program will come. Are these things not strange? Why? Because of that oneness that we have with him. But you see, there is the humanity of the Holy Spirit. There is a part of the Holy Ghost. That is human. <laughs> There's a part of the Holy Ghost. There is that humanity of the Holy Spirit. There is that humanity of God. There is that humanity of Christ. Where the Holy Ghost had to partake in a human form in order to be able to function on the earth realm. It is that humanity of the Holy Spirit that we refer to as the body of Christ. Write it down. It's that humanity of the Holy Spirit that we refer to as the body of Christ. Or the body of God. Or the body of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. It's very important. Without that human part of the Spirit of God. Or that human part of God, God cannot function on the earth realm. And it also means that God is going to lose because he will not be able to populate his family and populate his kingdom. When we say the body of Christ, what does that mean? When we say the body of little Joe, what does that mean? Or great Joe? <laughs> what do you guys think? Little or, or big Joe or great Joe? Great Joe. <laughs> when we say the body of little Joe, what does it mean? It means his body. Is that true? When we say the body of Christ, we are saying Christ has a body. Now, when we talk about Christ, mind you, Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. But Christ is also on this earth as the Holy Spirit. Don't forget that. So when we talk about we living in Christ, you see that people are now trying to, hey, where is the Christ? Christ, Christ, yes, you're tissue, baby. What's the heaven, baby? You understand? Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the presence of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. I didn't understand. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. I don't know what is happening to this world now. When is there to be talking back to me? Maybe I've been talking to you for a long time. <laughs> 
Shout glory. So you see, that is what I said is the humanity of the Holy Spirit. Right? That's the body of Christ. Christ is the presence. You see, the Holy Spirit is the presence of Christ on the earth realm. Whoever I just said right now. Whoever I said. So the human side of the Holy Spirit is what we refer to as the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is God. But without his participation in the human body, with all his God nature and God ability, he will not be able to do things on earth legally. You see, God is principled. God is what? Don't forget that. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man shows. God is so principled that even in dealing with devil, he, he could have just, he could have just, after Adam's transgression, he could have just entered into hell and dealt with devils and all of that. God is so principled that even after the defeat of the devil and the defeat of death, he did not destroy death. He has pushed the destruction of death to another time. Did you hear what I said? He did not enter hell to go and destroy the devil. Or after all, he created the devil. God created the devil. He could dissolve, dissolve him with one, one breath. But no. He had to follow due process as God. And let Jesus come to die for the sins and defeat him. And still wait for his destruction. That's his principle. And that is what makes God what we refer to as the just God. The just God. The righteous God. Is that not strange? If it was you, you run quickly and go and defeat the devil and say, you are destroyed. No. It's a just God. That is why he wants us to preach. He wouldn't take anybody to hell unjustly. No. And even on the judgment, the judgment of the great white throne, when it's brought the dead, all the dead, the ones who are not born, all didn't get born again, Einstein and all of those, when he brings all of them back, he will ask them, ask them questions and let them respond to him before he deals with them. Oh, this God is just, is that not powerful? But you see, the body of Christ, what is the body of Christ? Is that not powerful? What's the body of Christ? What's the body of Christ? Let's go to Romans quickly. I have a lot to share with you. Is that not true? Say share with us or close and let's go home. Which one? Who, who chooses close and let's go home? Let me see your hand up. By this time, the watched person has closed. So if you are targeting it, you should. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Are we there? But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, do you see it there? Oh, can we all read? The way you are looking at me is like you are not reading. Can we all read one, two, go? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
switch to NIV so that we can see it clearly there. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, you see there, the spirit of Christ is Christ. So Christ, as a person, is set at the right hand of the Father. But he has released his spirit. His spirit, the spirit of a person, is the person. You did what I said. Your spirit is you. Man is a spirit. The Christian is a new spirit. <laughs> The Christian is a new man. Is that not true? You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, full stop, is it there? And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, what does he say? One to go over there. Just the last phrase, last one. Uh-huh. Phrase is phrase. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, comma, he says what? It says what? He does not belong to Christ. What does that tell us? This is grammar. All the English have been saying, saying, saying here. This is simple grammar. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So you can only belong to Christ when you have the spirit of Christ. Having the spirit of Christ is having Christ. Did you hear that? Living in the spirit of Christ is living in Christ. So when I say that we are received into Christ, it means that we are received into the Holy Ghost. Which part of you is received? Your spirit. Your spirit when you are born again is received into the Holy Ghost. Then the Holy Ghost comes into you. Because your spirit is received into the Holy Ghost. You live in the Holy Ghost. Living in the Holy Ghost is living in Christ. Is that true? Is that a mathematical equation based on what I've said? I can see that Dr. Sander is trying to remember some of the mathematical equations and all that. <laughs> Shout glory. So he lives in the Holy Ghost. Now if the Holy Ghost lives in such a person, then such a person, the Holy Ghost lives in such a person. Such a person has received the Holy Ghost. It means Christ lives in such a person. So I live in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in me. That also means that I live in Christ and Christ lives in me. That also means that I live in the Father, like Jesus said, and the Father also lives in me. Did you hear what I said? So when we talk about the body of Christ, the body of Christ because it has to do with that body where the Spirit of Christ dwells. Oh, is that strange and powerful? Yes, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Who just caught what I just said? So if the Spirit of Christ lives in this building, for instance, Christ lives in the building. If the Spirit of Christ manifests himself through any particular gift in the church, Christ is manifesting himself. Look at what I just said. So you see, we live in the Holy Ghost first when we are born again. Then the Holy Ghost lives in us second. That's when we say we have received the Holy Ghost. 
Many people say with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but it's still subject to tense. But let's leave it for now. Amen. Doctrinal issues are left for certain people. What do you guys think? So it says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Uh -huh. Far above all principalities and powers, mind, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22. Oh, I'm, say, I'm far above. Say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not of this world. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. NIV. Go to 23. Mm -hmm. It says the church. Say the church. The church. Mm -hmm. Which is his body. Now, this is so powerful, eh? Are we talking about the body of Christ? He has given to be, given, what? Made him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body. The church is his body. Think about it. The church is his body. The church is his body. <laughs> then it says the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The fullness of him. Filling everyone. Filling all, us all. He fills us all. Through the Holy Spirit. Now, that is about the body of Christ. I'll go, I'll come back into this. There is the baptism into the body of Christ. Write it down. There's a baptism into the body of Christ. Then I'll share with you why the Holy Ghost, the humanity of the Holy Spirit. There is a baptism into the body of Christ. Oh, Our baptism into his body. Is that not powerful? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29. What has been following what I've been teaching for some time now? The body of Christ. The body of Christ is also the body of the Holy Spirit. Is that true? Because the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Christ. You see, at a point in time in the scriptures, it calls him the Spirit of God. Then it says the Spirit of Christ. They are the same. Just as he's just giving us an understanding of the Holy Ghost representing God. Or the Holy Ghost as the presence of God. So if the Holy Ghost is in you, God is in you. If you are in the Holy Ghost, you are in God. Wow, is that not powerful? Wow. I am in God. God. God is in me. Hey. This is powerful. Have you thought about it? Are you thinking about it? That you are in God. The next time you see somebody shooting, take the, do like this. You see them shooting in the dream. You do like this and hold the bullet and put it down. By the time you put the bullet down, they'll carry their gun and run away. Is that not true? That's what the did with them. So you do the same the next time. If that, that is if there is a next time. 
Today, Brother is not in church. Eh? He's gone on church break. He's online. Eh? Tell him I said he's gone on church break. Now, when we see a leader who's not in church, you pay $100. Unless you have a good excuse. Amen. How many dollars are you paying? You come to your door. That day, we will send people to your house to take it. So the next day, you come. Else, we will send the person, another person the next Sunday. No matter the excuse. Unless that excuse is like, it comes with a, if you, ha, if, if you have a medical report, you take it. So you have to bribe Dr. John. <laughs> are we there? For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Are we there? Verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Do you see there? Have, as many of you that have been baptized, the word baptized there, baptizo means to dip into, to immerse. For as many of us that have been baptized into Christ, as many of us that have been dipped into Christ, so we are dipped into Christ. How? Through the Holy Ghost, I'll show you why. In 1 Corinthians, it tells us that. For as many that have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So if you are dipped into Christ, or immersed into Christ, or you are in Christ, you are putting on Christ. The next time they ask you, what garment will you wear? You say, I'm wearing Christ. Christ. Why? The word put on means to wear. To be clothed upon. That's why we speak in tongues. When we speak in tongues and we charge our our spirit like that, then the presence of Christ from within us overshadows us. Do you hear what I said? That is why we train your, you train your spirit, feeding your spirit, praying in the, in the Holy Ghost, feeding your spirit the word of God. You train your spirit. I've said it before, so that even in your sleep, you dominate. You work in your sleep. I said what? Even in your sleep. When you are asleep, your spirit is working. Your body, when you are asleep, it means your body is resting. Is that not what they say? Is that not true, doctor? Your body is at rest. So, what that? But your spirit is, does not sleep. Spirits don't sleep. That's what the spirit is. God does not slumber nor sleep. In the same way, your human spirit does not slumber nor sleep. <laughs> Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So, it says, for as many that have been baptized into Christ, or dipped into Christ, as many have put on Christ. So, we have put on Christ. Now, let me show you how. How it, when it talks about Baptized into Christ. He explains it further in the book of Corinthians. Let's go there quickly. I'm baptized into Christ. I'm baptized into the body of Christ. I'm baptized into Christ. Is this not strange and powerful? First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. Numbers 12 to 17. Is that not powerful? Kola Bahasa. It says, if the whole body were... No, go to verse where? 12. Take us to verse 12. Is it verse 12? Verse 12 to 17. For as the body is one, and as many members... He's talking about... 
Brother Johnson, come. First, the body is one. Does he have one body or he has two bodies? The American is a body. Is that not true? I will stand here. So this is one. His body is one. His body one. Or is it two? So as the human body or as the body is one, yet have many members. Many members there means body parts. The word members means parts. Amen. So you have a hand. This is a member. You have this one too. The eye. Can you remove your eye for, me, for us? <laughs> He's removing his eye. So his eye is a member. It's a part of the body. Is that true? His hand is a part of the body. So as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many, so many parts, yet one, are one body, so also is Christ. Do you see that? Why does he say so also is Christ? Verse 13. Why is he saying that? By our oneness with Christ, spiritually and bodily, he regards our body as his own. But you see, the understanding I want you to have is that the Holy Spirit does not regard your body as your body. We'll get into that very soon. But he regards your body as his body. So it says, for by one spirit, it says, are we all baptized into one body? By one spirit. Are we all, what does it say? For as many have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Then it now tells us how we have been baptized into Christ. This is not talking about baptism in water. No. It's talking about being born again. When we are called into Christ. When we are received into Christ. I've said that there is when we are received into Christ when we are born again. And when we receive Christ. Are they the same? When you are received and when you receive, are they the same? But it's the same experience. Oneness. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Whether we be bond or free. And have been all made to drink into one spirit. You see why I say that you are not thirsty? We've been made to do what? How can you drink Belacqua and still be thirsty? We've been made to drink. So this by one spirit are we drinking, but it says, by one spirit are we, have we all been baptized into one body. So by the Holy Spirit, we have been baptized into the body of Christ. By the Holy Ghost. We've been dipped into the body of Christ. Anybody who is in Christ is in his body. Anybody who is in Christ is regarded as the body of Christ. Anyone who is in Christ is regarded as the body of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, uh, did you hear what I just said? So when we say that they two shall be one flesh, what it means is that, and in Ephesians chapter 5, what it means is that if we are baptized into the body of Christ, that means that we have become one bodily with Christ such that we we no longer regard, can we go into a scripture right now? First Corinthians chapter 6. I wanted to finish here, but I don't think I can finish here. First Corinthians chapter 12, maybe we'll come here again. Just give me some 10 minutes and I'll, I'll close with it. Come on, shout glory. glory. When I get you like this, I have to push the word into you. Is that not true? Yes, sir. 
then it's up to you whether you go and swallow it or you bring it out. If you swallow it and it stays with you, you do mighty things for yourself and for the kingdom. If you know nothing, you are hopeless. No Christian is hopeless. Some of you are here, you are so hopeless. You say, now I've been hopeless. In fact, there come a time where you become so hopeless. There don't come a time where you become so hopeless. Your hope is in the Holy Ghost. Is that not true? I said, is that not true? For by one spirit, are we there? Okay, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I think. Oh, this is so powerful. Is this not powerful? Verse 13. Maybe you have to get the first Corinthians chapter 12 very well. Maybe Wednesday I'll go into that again. No, I have a lot of things to share. Meats for the belly. <laughs> and belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. You can, you can sit down for now. I'll bring you back again. When I read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Meats for the belly and belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it. And see, when you, this, this is so powerful. When I'm born again, I'm received into God. I'm absorbed into God. I'm adopted into God. There is this thing you see in the New Testament when it talks about adoption. You see that in Galatians chapter 4, I think from verse 5. You see that in Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 5. Adoption. It is similar to when we say that a person, a child has been adopted, but it's also different. You see, if you are going legally by what adoption means, you enter the child one. When you get a child and then you take care of the child and do all the legal whatever and say, we've adopted this child. That means that the child has become part of the family. You are seeing the child as your own. Is that not true? But generally speaking, when it talks about adoption, I wish I had time I would have opened that scriptures to you. Because the Holy Ghost is also referred to as the spirit of adoption. That means that he adopts us into God. That's why we say you have received, you have been received into God. You have been adopted. Doesn't mean that you are not his child and he's now adopting you like we say in, 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 in legal terms and all that. What it means is that he, he brings you into him. See, the Holy Ghost brings your spirit. Once you say, I confess you as the Lord of my life. I'm born again, so, 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 all the confessions that you make and all that. Once you do that, the Spirit of God carries your spirit into him. So, that's why I say any person who enters this church and says, I have confessed the Lordship of Jesus, and is going back, the one who entered and the one who is going, they are not the same persons. The one who came, came with the human spirit that is dead. Can I do you a quiz on, on, on the concept of the new birth right now? <laughs> You'll be shocked what will happen in this church. <laughs> Dog, what do you think? I should do an, a quiz right now. So now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. What is he saying here? He's saying that the body is for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Let me close with this one. <laughs> Shout glory. glory. We have to go to part two, else you understand from here. Here is becoming detailed. <laughs> Lift up your right hand wherever you are. You see, it's important that 
your coming to church becomes fruitful. Nancy, are you here? It's important that your coming to church becomes fruitful. If your coming to church does not become fruitful, your life will not be fruitful. So you can be in the church for all years and never see any change. Not because the Spirit of God is doing nothing within the church. But it has to do with how you take the words or the word of God that we deliver to you. So important. If you call that child glory. glory. Maybe next week we continue from here. What do you guys think? Or should we continue on Wednesday? <laughs> Some people say they enjoy the truth. I come and continue with that one. What is truth? Okay, Nancy, what is truth? Can you, can we just close with this one right now? We just close with this one right now. What is truth? So thank you for joining us. Those of you who are online, we love you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Amen. Amen. You can give your offerings online. <laughs> and pay your tithes. Thank you for joining. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You have some announcements to make, but maybe you see them later on. Come on, shout glory. glory. Let me do a quiz right now before we enter into offerings. Amen. <laughs>